0: Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by our special guest speaker. Hallelujah. How are you guys doing this morning? Awesome. Awesome. Come on, baby. Come up here. I got my little bit with me. This is Blakely, everyone. Say, hey, Blakely. This is my oldest. She's gonna be helping me preach this morning. Now she's gonna she's gonna um, read one verse over the body this morning. So, Blakely, you want to read First Samuel? We're in First Samuel chapter 21, and we're gonna be looking uh, starting out at verse 8. Okay. So she's gonna read verse 8. You guys, this is very special to her. She's been saying she wants to preach with Daddy for years. So this is her moment. So read verse 8. And David said to Ahimelech the Ahimelech is there not here on hand a speaker, a speaker or a sword for i have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me before because, because the king's business require haste That's good. All right <laughs> you can go back take this mic make sure you turn that mic off too okay I love it. I should trust her with that right there you know live mic. How's everyone doing this morning? Awesome awesome so I guess you guys are stuck with me this morning. Is that cool? Yeah. Stuck with your boy this morning? all right well I promise you this I've got a word for you. Uh, this morning. And before I continue the text, before I continue First Samuel chapter 21, I, w- I want to talk about kind of what led to this word. Uh, how many of you guys know that it is totally crucial to obey the voice of the Lord? Let, let me say, oh gosh, you got to get this. And I'm talking about the voice of the Lord at the most inopportune times, the most inopportune times. So, it's very rare at my house that I get to choose the movies, okay? I'm, I'm the head, I'm the dad, but it's like I live with actually four women. I have two daughters, a wife, and a female dog, okay? So I'm surrounded by females, so it's always uh, Disney movies, Frozen, Cinderella, you know, all of them. So it's very rare at night that I can actually watch what I want to watch. And it was one of those extremely rare moments where everyone in my house was passed out before 9 o'clock. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the dream. Dad's up, he's alone, I get to watch the movie of my choice. And I, I'm not talking about anything crazy, I'm talking about, you know, something with shooting and fighting, breaking necks, stuff like that, you know what I'm saying? Is that cool? And anyway, and I'm about to, I'm about to go... And I feel that nudge, and the Spirit's like, I want to show you something. And I said, no, this is my time. I want to watch a movie. I'll read the Bible. i read the Bible in the morning, read my Bible before I go to bed at night. So I, I spend my time with God. I have my devotion time, but it was like 9 o'clock. Come on, Lord, I want to watch my movie. And I started playing it, and I felt it again. And I'm like, oh, no, no. I told God no. And then it was like the third time he came to me after I pressed play to the movie. I felt... The irritation of the Lord. Like, I felt it. He goes, you need to read your Bible now. So I said, fine. I turn it off. And I, I, I mean, I did not go into the word of God cheerfully. I went into the word of God, kind of frustrated that he was making... God doesn't make us do anything. What I'm saying is, he wanted to show me something. And I opened up this chapter before chapter 22. I have been preaching on the cave of Adullam. And I'm going to go into that this morning. I'm going to make my way into chapter 22 but I read chapter 21 and I saw things I've never seen before. God, God gave me revelation. How many of you know that scripture at times is like a kaleidoscope? One day you look at it, but God shifts the perspective of it, and then the view, the scene totally changes, and God speaks to you in new ways for each new season you're walking into. Right? So let me tell you something. How many of you guys are happy that 2020 and 2021 are over and we're about to move into 2022. Listen, I I, I I'm excited cuz I I get to speak last for 2021. And I want to say this. I want to be vulnerable. I want to be transparent with you guys this morning. These last two years were some of the hardest years of my life. It was hard on my marriage, it was hard on my ministry. I've launched out to start my own ministry. And it's like, God, there's been some dark seasons. Have you guys had some dark seasons in 2021? Have you had some times when you were wanting God to move and you were praying for the hand of God in your family or your business or your finances? And you're asking God to show up and you don't see anything moving. You don't see anything happening. How many of you guys struggle with anxiety and fear this year? I've seen more posts on Facebook about mental health and about how to monitor that and regulate that. Like I've seen all this stuff in 2021 and I've felt it in real time. I think we've all felt it in real time, especially the fear of the unknown and moving into the unknown. So what I want to preach to you guys about this morning is I want to talk about the cave. Everyone say cave. And obviously, we know what a cave is. It's it's a thing in a rock, okay, or on the side of a mountain that's a very dark place that you can habitate in, you can live in. But we see caves throughout the Bible that are used by God for certain purposes in men's life because God wanted to do something in them. How many of you know that God has to do something in you before he does something through you? Okay, I want to say this before I move on this morning with the text, that the cave is the womb of God and the wilderness is the birth canal. The cave is the dark place that God brings you into individually as a son or a daughter of God. It's a dark place. It's a lonely place. It's a place where you are having frustrations and fear. It's usually a transitional uh, place that God puts you in because he's trying to promote you. But the way that God promotes you is totally counterintuitive according to the system that we're used to living in, in this country. Everyone says, man, you've got to look out for yourself, you've got to climb the ladder of success, but the way up with God is actually the way down. Before he ascended, he descended, he took captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. So God's order of sonship and daughtership for you is totally different than the world's order. Man, God has a school, and it's a school of brokenness. Pastor Buck, he mentioned it this morning. There's a brokenness that we have to go through. All of us have to go through. And tragically, everyone in this room has been called into the school of brokenness. But unfortunately, very few of us graduate. We grad, very few of us graduate that school. Why? It's because we step out before due time because it gets hard. Because God is trying to do something in us, in the womb the cave, before he releases us to the world through the wilderness, which is the birth canal. So you ready to get to the text this morning? Let's get to the text. First Samuel chapter 21, I'm gonna start off with verse nine. So Blakely did a wonderful job reading verse eight. And the backdrop of chapter 21 is David is on the run now. He has a few men with him and he has just went to the priest at Nob, and he he ate the consecrated bread. We see Jesus referencing this over in the book of Matthew. But he's running from from Saul, and he's talking to the priest. This is verse 9 of chapter 21. And so the priest said, this is Ahimelech, the sword of Goliath the Philistine, because David is on the run. He has nothing. He's looking for weapons. He's looking for a sword. So watch this. The sword of Goliath the Philistines, whom you killed in the valley of Allah, there it is, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you will take that, take it, for there is no other except that one. And David said, there is none like it. Give it to me. This is the sword of Goliath. Everyone say Goliath. This is very interesting because this, this sword, the Bible says, weighed 600 shekels, which is actually 15 pounds. 15 pounds, if you're a bodybuilder, isn't a lot to curl, but try to fight with it. Try to fight fight with 15 pounds. That's pretty heavy, all right? So David is actually picking up this sword. This is Goliath's sword. Goliath from what? Gath. And we read about David and Goliath in chapter 17. So this is... Four chapters later, keep that in the forefront of your mind because that's very important. We don't know how long that has been, but we do know it's possibly maybe a few years by this time. So my question is this. What has happened in David's life over the past couple years and what has happened in your life over the last couple years? Watch this. Listen, this text, if you let it, if you open yourself up, to the administration and government of the word of God this morning, and you allow the word to lean into your personal space, God is going to read your diary this morning, and you're going to get breakthrough this morning, but you're going to have to pay attention. Amen? Amen. So this is what happens. He says in verse 10, Then David arose and fled that day from before Saul, and went to Ashish the king of Gath. Watch this. And the servants of Ashish said to him, is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing of him to one another and dances, saying, Saul is slain as thousands, David is tens of thousands? And David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of the king of Gath. This, when I read this, remember, I'm a rebellious pastor, wanting to watch my little carnal movie, God's not letting me watch my carnal movie. I'm getting that impression on my spirit that I need to read this chapter. This right here is what got me. This right here, this verse, penetrated me, grabbed me, literally shook me to the core because I saw something I've never seen before in Scripture. See, we read the Bible way too fast, We read it just to check off our little box called religion. And see, if you're not reading the word of God because you want to be intimate with the author, all you are doing is getting knowledge to debate. But if you're reading the word of God to know him, it becomes a doorway for intimacy. So watch this. It says, very much afraid. Say very. Very. Say much. much. Say afraid interesting i'm wondering why the text doesn't just say and david took these words to heart so something got in his heart has something ever gotten in your heart has something ever gotten into your spirit because of fear and, and intimidation because the enemy wants to shake your confidence if he can shake your confidence he's got you if he can shake your confidence he can paralyze you But it doesn't say that David was afraid. It doesn't say that he was much afraid. What does the text actually say? It says that David, the giant killer, was very much afraid. And this messes with me because chapters before, David is a young boy and he goes and he runs towards the giant. And he's not even in the army of Israel yet? He's probably 14 to 16 years old. And four chapters later, probably in his early 20s, he goes and he's very much afraid. Does that not mess with you? Okay, so watch this. So, what happened over these last four chapters? That's my question. In one, listen, in one season, you're resolved, you're confident. You're killing giants. Anybody ever killed a giant in here? I'm not talking about a nine-foot giant. I'm talking about a mountain that wants to take you out. I'm talking about an addiction that you thought you could never overcome. Listen, I'm talking about a relationship, a marriage that you thought was lost, but you saw the goodness of God come in and change and transform the situation. Listen, David had had some victories. He killed the lion. He killed the bear. He killed the giant. But now what's going on? He's afraid of a king. And then it hit me. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me in that moment. He says, it's one thing to face the giant." But what if you have to face the king behind the giant? It's one thing to face the giant. But what if you have to face the king behind the giant? See, this Ashish, the king of Gath. Goliath was the champion from where? He was the champion from Gath. So what's happening here is David is afraid. And watch what he does. This is a warrior. This is a guy that is known by his enemy's camp. And look at this in verse 13 it says this it says he changed his behavior before them pretended madness in their hands scratched on the doors of the gate and let saliva fall down on his beard then ashish said to his servants look you see the man is insane why have you brought him to me how have have i need of a madman that you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence shall this fellow come into my house verse one so then David, therefore, departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. I'm going to pick up that here in a little bit, but let me, let me just exegete this for a little bit. What's happening here? You have a giant killer in the presence of a man, and he acts crazy to save his life. Because you read the text, it said something got in his heart. Something got so deep within his heart that David said, the only way that I'm going to be able to get out of this situation is if I act like a crazy person. You said, okay, this is great. This this, this happened. This is historical. This has happened to David. But what does this have to do with me? I'll tell you what it has to do with you. Watch this. Last season, you're resolved and you're confident and you're seeing the victories of the Lord, but you want to know something? When you forget to praise God for the victories of yesterday, it'll change your character today. What did David have in this moment? He had the, he had the sword of Goliath. That mess was with me. Because if he has the sword of Goliath, wouldn't it make sense that this would be the testimony of his victory? I would just pull, I would just pull out the sword of Goliath when I began to get afraid. And I would say, God, you delivered me then, you're gonna deliver me now. That would be like, that would be like the banner of my testimony for my victories of yesterday. And watch this. When you don't use the victories and the testimonies of yesterday today, you're gonna to get heavy and depressed. Because if David didn't use a sword, that sword was gonna weigh him down. Are you following me? But if you use the sword of yesterday, what is, what is the sword of yesterday? That's the very thing that the enemy tried to use to take you out. Isn't it funny that the very thing that the enemy tried to take David's, uh, David out became the sword for David to fight with? You know what I fight with? I fight with my victory over addiction. You know what you fight with? Your victory over your problems. But if you don't use it, it becomes weighty. And you become depressed because why? You forget to praise God for the victories of yesterday. And see, if we're not careful, life swallows us up. And we get so focused on the problem of today that we lose sight of what God did for us yesterday. I'm telling you, this is why he acted crazy. He's in front of a man acting crazy when he just defeated Goliath a few years ago. Something happened and something got into David's heart. So you want to know what God's prescription plan is? He sends him to the cave. He sends him to the cave. You got to read the text. You got to read the Bible. You got to understand why certain things are placed in certain places in the Bible. David picks up the sword. He wants it. And then he goes to the king of Gath to get refuge from Saul. And then something happens in his heart. And then he acts like a crazy person. The giant killer is acting crazy. His character is not the same. So this text says, and therefore David departed to the cave of Adullam. That's what God does with you. That's what God does with me. And God's prescription plan for fear is not more fear, but sometimes it looks like darkness. Sometimes it looks like places where you can't see in front of you. You don't know how your next provision is going to come from. You're saying, God, why am I in this situation, and this circumstance right now? And God says, because I'm training you to see in the dark. I'm training you to be able to see when no one else can see. and I'm training you in the womb called the cave, because I want to birth you, but before I birth you, I've got to do some things in you. And that is the problem is we have people in ministry, and not just in ministry, in the marketplace that never said yes to the full process called the cave. Watch, God has a prescription. Verse 1, David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And watch this. This is hilarious. And everyone who was in distress, say distress. Come on. Everyone who was in debt, say debt. debt. And everyone who was discontented gathered to him. Say discontented. So watch this, so he became captain over them and there were about 400 men with him. Dude, God is so funny, God God is so funny. Let let me just break this apart right here, let me break this down. Distressed in Hebrew means disabled. So the first group of people that God sends to David is disabled people, sick people. Let me ask you a question. If you have to fight your enemy do you want a bunch of sick people beside your side now god does (laughs) watch this hold on not listen so god doesn't just send them disabled people the world's castaways god says oh yeah i'm gonna send indebted people to you also all right watch this you ever been called by a creditor See, y'all ain't going to admit that. Half of y'all probably have, though. You ain't going to my finances are perfect. No, 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 no. You've been called by a creditor if you forgot a doctor's bill. You have, right? Listen, creditors back in that day didn't have a telephone. They had a sword. They had a spear. David's already, already running from Saul. God sends him to the cave. First sends him sick people. And then he sends people that are indebted to the creditors. So if I'm David, I'm like, dude, I'm already being chased by Saul. Now I'm being chased by your mess. So you got to understand what's happening. Read through the text. And then the third group of people, he sends distressed people, indebted people. Watch this. He sends disconnected people. I'm sorry, discontented people. Hebrew word is Mara. You know what that means? Bitter. Could you imagine that group of people? And then guess what it says? And then it says, and David became captain over them. I love this. I love this. So what I'm doing this morning is I'm going to define the cave, and I'm going to give you reasons for the cave, and then I'm going to tell you exactly what happens in your cave. So watch this. And we'll look at me. Pay attention. Ready? Ready? The first thing that happens in your cave is the people that are assigned to you come to you. The people that are assigned to you show up in your cave. What does that mean? That means your tribe. That means the people you can't get away from. I have people in my life, I call them spiritual sandpaper, that it doesn't matter what they do, how many times they relapse, how many times they do crazy things, they're assigned to me. You want to know why? Because they show up in my cave. And you know who these men became? Scripture says these men became David's mighty men. Come on. You got, are, y'all, are y'all hungover from Turkey or something? This is, this is good stuff. This is how God builds an army. He doesn't, build, he doesn't build an army based upon how the United States military puts people through special forces programs. He says, if you're sick, I want you. If you're indebted, I want you. If you're bitter, I want you. I want you. And they came to David and then they said, hey, David, we want you to lead us. So the first thing that God does is he shows you who is assigned to you, who is in your tribe, who's connected to you, who's a part of your life, whether you like them or not. And come on, don't don't make me start preaching about 1 Corinthians 11, Listen, they weren't dying because they were taking communion. They were dying because they were offended with the person across the church that had the gift of healing on their life. And Paul says, this is the reason that many die early and sick. It's because you're divided. Come on. God sends people into this church that, listen, we're not going to jive with. They're going to be different from us. They're going to be different ethically ethnically different races different type of attitudes but guess what this is this is our cave this our cave those that are assigned to you show up in your cave and they show up in your dark season because you need them and they need you and this is what's beautiful about this it says david became a captain over them say captain So, number two, you know what happens in your cave? You must learn to lead despite your own pain. Come on. Come on. Leaders, I want to pierce you this morning. Get out of the bed, get out of depression. Get out of your head because it's not about you. God is bringing people around you and you have to learn to lead despite your own pain. I know you can't see. I know you're hurt. I know you've been betrayed. I know you've been dodging spears by Saul, but by God, take the people around you and lead them. Come, Thank you. Come on. This is the hardest sunday to preach on. you don't know why lowest attendance that's why the associate pastor gets to preach yes <laughs> you gotta learn to lead despite your own pain let's be real here if i ask my guys this question they tell the truth and their hands go up how many of you guys struggle with depression in here raise your hand come on be real come on come on be real show depression Listen, I am not saying it's not biochemical there. I've seen it. I've seen it. It I, I am not taking away the need for medicine. I believe we have to have medicine, but I will say this. I have learned that depression is defeated by two ways. Number one, Get off yourself and do something nice for someone else. And number two, praise your way out of it. And you, listen, and if you do both of those together, you can't be depressed. Listen, this is the weeping heart player. Uh, (laughs) I could push back on biblical masculinity right here. (laughs) David, by God, he was the most masculine man in the Bible. He was also a weeping prophet poet, heart player. Why did God have him in the cave? God had him in the cave. It's because he was destined for the throne. He was destined for promotion. Every one of you in this room right now has a purpose and a plan for promotion over your life right now, whether you believe it or not. If you don't believe it, then you're believing the lie of the serpent that God's not good. But he has a plan for promotion in your life right now. But there's only one way to get there. You got to go down before you go up. And like, you can't choose who follows you. Listen, you can't choose who you disciple. Let me tell you something I've learned in ministry. Ready ready for this one? I can't force anyone to be discipled, but I also can't stop anyone that truly wants to be discipled. (laughs) I'm gonna say it again. I can't force someone to be discipled. I can't force you. But also, if you wanna be discipled, you're gonna drive me nuts. Call me, text me, show up. I mean, I'm not going to be able to stop you from being discipled. And that's what I'm saying. When you are in your cave, those that are assigned to you show up to you, and there's nothing that you can do about it. You are stuck like Chuck for them for life, and that's how God works. I've said it before. I'll say it again. It's kind of like marriage. It's kind of like you are. Listen, I've said this before. It's, it's like marriage. Listen, you are designed by God to marry the person that presses all of your buttons. Because all of those buttons need to be redeemed by God. So God says, let me do, put these two together. Yes, secularly, outside the church, without the Holy Ghost, it will be UFC in the home. But you know what? Through a little bit of discipleship and counseling and intimacy, they're going to push each other's buttons. And all those buttons are going to be redeemed by God. It's the same way in here. Come on. The body's got to be divided. It's not divided. It's got to be diversified. It's got to be diversified and then unified. That is the beauty of unity. It's because true unity, there's diversity, not conformity. There's conformity in a cult. There's diversity and unity. And everyone in this room, we need to look different from one another because we are all carriers of the image of God. So number one, those that are assigned to you show up in your cave, your tribe. And number two, man, you got to learn to lead despite your own pain. You got to get out of bed when you don't feel like it. You got to answer the phone when you don't feel like it. You got to answer texts when you don't feel like it. You got to show up for coffee when you don't feel like it. You got to preach sick. You got to show up to small group meetings. You can't be flaky. You've got to learn to lead despite your own pain. Come on. No more weak Christians. No more bankrupt Christians in the house of God. Those that are full of the spirit that says, I know I'm hurting, I know I feel depressed. My God, I wanna go see a doctor right now, but I'm not going because I know all that is is a coping mechanism. I need to go and find someone to love. And in doing that, what's gonna happen is you're gonna get filled up with the Holy Ghost. When you love, Holy Ghost flows through you, and guess what it does? It heals you in the process. So you have to learn to lead despite your own pain. All right, number 3. The Bible says that Gad the prophet came to David. I think it's verse 4 or 5 in this text. It says Gad the prophet came to David and he told him to go to the forest of Harith. I told him to go to the forest of Harith. And this is funny. I want I want to hit on this all right for a little bit. But this is why I find this absolutely fascinating. Everyone look at me right here. I want to hit on something because I feel, I feel the spirit. I just want, I want to yield to it. Promises promise this is not a rabbit trail, okay? This is a spirit trail, amen? Spirit trail. <laughs> All right, watch. Isn't it amazing that David's brothers, his mother and father, and Gad the prophet could find him in the cave, but Saul could not? The Bible says that 400 men found David in the cave. They became David's 400 mighty men. We know his brothers, his seven brothers. We know his mom and dad. Now we have Gads. We have over 400 people that found David in the cave, but Saul could not. Watch this. Come on. One of the things that God wants to destroy in the cave in you is your offense and bitterness. Because watch this. Saul could not find David, and everyone else could. You want to know why? Bitterness and offense blinds you from what God is doing next. Bitterness and offense blinds you from what God is doing next. A prophet could find David. His brothers could find him. Criminals could find David. But the guy looking for him could not find him. Why? It's because he, he was blinded from what God was doing next. And watch this. Watch this right here. Remember I said in the beginning of the message that the reason why David was very much afraid is just because it's one thing dealing with the giant, but it's another thing dealing with the king behind the giant. What if that's talking about every time you engage in conflict? What if the enemy is not the person that you're talking to? What if it's what's behind them? Come on. What if it's what's behind him? So what if the reason why it got into David's heart, he was so fearful, is because the true issue is never the giant in front of you, it's what's driving them behind them that you don't see. Come on, we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and rulers and spiritual wickedness in high places. And he says, we have to put on the full armor of God. He says, three times we have to stand in that reality. So what if our issue is not really what's in front of us in the natural, but what if it's the spirit driving them? And what if we learn to look through the giant to the king and then disarm the king? And when we disarm the king behind the giant, the giant gets silenced. And see, that's what we have to learn to do. I just find it fascinating that all of David's men, criminals, his family could find him, but Saul could not find him because he was blinded. He couldn't see what was in front of him because we can never see what God is doing next when we're blinded by offense. So third thing that you learn in the cave is, you learn how to hear God. You learn to hear. You learn to hear. Isn't it amazing that David learned to hear in the dark place? Talk to talk to any blind person that's legally blind, and they have amplified hearing. Talk to any legally blind person that amplified. What does that mean? That means they can hear better than you and me. So what happened? Watch. In the darkest seasons of our life, when we can't see straight, God is trying to amplify our hearing. I'm going to say that again. Some of y'all aren't in pain enough right now to hear this, but it's cool because your day's coming. <laughs> God amplifies our hearing in the seasons that we cannot see. When we don't know what's happening next, when fear is trying to keep us paralyzed. And you know what fear is? Fear is this, it keeps us still when we should be moving and it keeps us moving when we should be still. And It keeps us paralyzed and we get stuck and we never move and then what happens is we never move into our purpose because fear paralyzes us or fear keeps us moving and we're restless and we're trying to do everything on our own and trying to make all of the moves in the natural and the Psalms 46 says, be still and know that I am God. So what do we do? Do we work? Do we be still? No, we we wait on the word of the Lord. And when he says move, we move. And you say, well, I I can't hear God. You want to know how I've learned to hear God? Watch this. This scripture has taught me to hear God. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let my request be made known to God and let the peace, say, let the peace, let the peace, say, let the peace. Come on, let the peace that surpasses all understanding guard my heart. Do you know what that word guard means? It means umpire. It means the one that calls the shots. It means the one that arbitrates my next move. So listen, I, I haven't heard the audible voice of God. And you want to know something? I don't want to hear the audible voice of God because those in the New Testament that heard the audible voice of God were in rebellion. I want to have the peace of God to know if I need to move or stay. So the third thing that God teaches you in the cave is to hear his voice in the darkness. To hear his voice in the darkness. Okay, watch this. This is interesting. So let's move over to 2 Samuel. I think it's chapter 24. So David is in this cave He's got his army. God's building his army. And God is using criminals and indebted people and bitter people to build his army. And then he's going from the cave to the wilderness, from the cave to the wilderness, from the cave to the wilderness. And then in chapter 24, let's look at verse 1. Samuel 24, verse 1. says, Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines, that it was told him, saying, "Take note, David is in the wilderness." There it is. Then Saul took three thousand chosen men from all Israel, and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road, where there was a cave, and Saul went in to attend to his needs. You know what? You know what the Bible is telling us right there? Anybody know what the Bible is telling us? Let me read again. You guys are like half half asleep, off turkey still. I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna preach this twice, unless I get some love, okay? Alright? So give me some love, alright? Three, ready? So he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave, and Saul went in to attend to his needs. Saul went poo-poo. Saul had to go to the bathroom, right? This is what's so funny. I love the Bible. The Bible is better than Netflix. The Bible is better than Hulu. Because the Bible is more designed to speak to where you're at right now than anything you can watch on TV. Like, So maybe you're here right now. Let me describe where you might be at. So Saul went into where David was and he took a crap. (laughs) Think about this. You ever had to deal with that in your life? From a leader? Leader, why are you doing that in my space? And he, doesn't, he doesn't even know he's doing it, right? So watch this. Look what David did. Verse four. Then the men of David said to him, this is the day of which the Lord said to you, behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off the corner of Saul's robe. This is all happening in a cave. Now it happened afterward that David's heart was troubled because he had cut Saul's robe. So he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul and Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. Literally, this is where, where the word embarrassed was formed. Y'all don't get it yet. Y'all about to laugh. You ready? When Saul came out of that cave, he was literally in bare ass because David had cut the back part of his robe off of him. So he's walking out. But David was stricken to his heart. Do You want to know Why? Because God was dealing with him about some things in that cave. God was dealing with him about some things in that cave. And you want to know what God was dealing with him about? Say, yes, pastor. Say, yes, pastor. Answer. It's because in the cave, you have to learn to not strip your leader's authority behind his back. In your cave, you've got to learn not to strip your leader's authority behind his back. See, there's a reason why they used to cut off pieces of the king's robes. Okay, let me, let me explain this to you. Is the longer the king's robe, the more authority he had. Why? It's because the more battles he has won. Watch. So in Isaiah 6, when it says, the, the train of our Lord, it filled the temple. Remember, the prophet says, I see him high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Why? Why did Yahweh's train of his robe fill the temple? Because he's never lost a battle. You see, he's never lost a battle. But what David was doing is he was literally stripping Saul from his authority. But God convicted him of that. David could have killed him. But God said, you can't touch my anointed. But David still violated the word because he took off a piece of his garments. But what it's talking about to us to make this practical is there's times, there's things that people over you are going to do to you. I mean, look at what Saul did to David in this moment. He took a bathroom in his cave. (laughs) He had to deal with that. There's going to be things that happen to you. And you know what you have to learn to do? You have to learn to say nothing, to do nothing, to speak nothing, to go to the Lord about it. And this is the hardest thing to do because you want to know something? We have mouths. We have mouths. We love to talk about what's happened to us. And you know, this is how gossip, this is how gossip gets started. You want to know why? This, this is what I ta- teach my students all the time. You ready? I want to make you repeat it. Right? Not Simon Says up here, but you're going to repeat this. Ready for this one? Say this. Say, your best friend has a best friend. That's not you. Uh-oh. <laughs> you wonder how your stuff's getting out. Because your best friend has a best friend. That's not you. And that's how everything gets out of control. That's how stuff gets out. That's how people get offended and betrayed. But that's also what we do to our leaders. And this is the thing. We have to learn to be under authority because one day when we're in authority, we can learn not just the right things to do, but we can also learn the wrong things not to do. All right, can you guys stand up for me real quick? Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.